0: well we 've got a few announcements, uh, mostly reminders this morning but i 'm going to start with kind of a praise report from for youth, uh, so just this weekend, we had a kind of separate boys night and a separate girls night. Uh, the boys there we are uh, we had a sleepover uh, at isaac 's house actually, and so there was plenty of pizza and video games and just shenanigans and fun. Uh, the girls, on the other hand, look at them, so innocent, eating ice cream. Uh, and then I think they went to Nordoff. you know, they played tag, and then it, it, turned, uh, it turned in a different way. They actually plotted against us boys. There they are. So I don't know if you can see it. There is a map in the middle of that table of the boys' house. And uh, what they did is they went on a, I think the email to the parents was secret mission. Uh, and so they came over, and I don't know if you know this, but Uh, They decorated our lawn with forks. Um, And if you want to know what that means, ask Shiloh, because she was the ringleader. Uh, But they decorated our lawn with forks, and we actually um, saw them doing it. The boys kind of looked out the window, and were like, there are kids outside. So we caught them, uh, and then they came back later in the night and TP'd the house. So it was a lot of fun. It was some really good memories we had with the students. Uh, and then next up, uh, next. Let's see. I guess you, I think I have it right here. Yes, the 29th. Not we're we're not going to have any events this coming week. But the 29th, we are going to the beach from eight to four. Uh, we're going to Carpinteria State Beach. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we played uh, ultimate on the beach, uh, which is really cool. Had a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing that. Signups are by Wednesday, July 26th. So you can let me know. Uh, you can email me, call me. There's also sheets on the back table as you go out. And uh, I believe we have, do we have a slide for the calendars? Yes. So we also have uh, summer calendars uh, for up until the end of August. Those are also on the table out there. You can pick those up to see what we have going on for youth stuff. Uh, Second, we have just a couple reminders. So this Saturday, the 22nd, the women are having a cooking workshop. Uh, it's at 10 a.m. It's going to be here at the well, and today is the last day to sign up. So if you have questions, see Kathy; yeah. she can help you out with that. Um, lastly, a reminder: there is a memorial for Sharon one, uh, and it's going to be on August 5th, 2 p.m. here at the well. If you have any questions, ask Pastor Tyler; he can help you with all the information with that. All right. Thank you, Maya. Thank you. Worship me. Ain't seen a cloud in forever
1: over me But I believe your rain is coming Mm. Yeah, I've been hanging on the high hopes Cause you're the one who's making dry bones come to life You're the light I put my trust in Every word you say is gonna come true You will lead me to the promised land Everything you say is gonna happen even though I haven't seen there
2: so now it's my turn. (laughs) A little premature there, so sorry about that. Um, So we wanted to just give you all a feel for kind of what the trip looked like, what the trip feels like, and just some of the highlights of the trip. And we're going to have three people just come up who went on the trip and just share briefly about kind of what their personal experience was like on the trip. And first is Aubrey Norris.
3: Hello? Okay. (laughs) Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Um, Well, there were a lot of things on this trip. Um, But when Mark asked um, about what impacted us the most, something that really stood out to me was all the testimonies that I heard and saw with my own eyes. Um, It was my first time to Tijuana. We have been to Ensenada several times to build houses. Um, So this was just a new base, a new experience. And um, one of the beautiful things that we did while we were there was that each of the builders that we worked with came each evening, uh, a different one every evening, and they shared about their own testimonies. Um, I think all of them had grown up in Tijuana. They had varied backgrounds, from uh, being growing up in an orphanage, being abandoned, um, prostitution in their families, drug addiction, being homeless, Uh, and then they told us of what God had done in their lives and how he had transformed them from being hopeless to being builders for the kingdom of God, and it was so powerful to hear each story each and every day of how God had moved in their hearts, in their lives, and now they were serving their own community and serving people around them, their neighbors, people that they didn't know, um, and loving them with the love of Christ by sharing what he had done for them and using their hands and their feet to love them. Um, We heard from two people that were at the very beginning of Homes and Hope and how it started. So... um, the first, the man that f- first took an offering because he heard God telling him, I want you to take an offering for me. And he said, his name was Dave. He said, okay, God, well, what are we using this for? And he said, it doesn't matter. Just take the offering and I will show you. So he took an offering from the staff at YWAM uh, and it sat for several months until God showed them what they were to do, they were to build a house for a family in Mexico, in Tijuana. Uh, so to hear how God spoke to him and he obeyed, he just did what he was told to do. He didn't see what, it was gonna, what the fruit of it was gonna be, he didn't see what was gonna happen, he just listened and obeyed. Um, another woman who spoke was, she was three when they first did that first house build. She went with her dad, Uh, Sean Lambert who started Homes of Hope it was their very first build they were just going to build one house and there were some people living in a bus next to the house that they were building Um, and she befriended the children on this bus and the mother kind of put her wing around this little girl while her family was building a home and looked after her and at the end of the house build she said to her dad "Well, are we going to build a house for the bus people? And so that was the beginning of Homes of Hope, was all these yeses to what God was doing in their lives. And so that's what really impacted me, um, was seeing what a simple yes to God will do. Saying yes to God will open doors, and it will bless multitudes when we give him our yes, Um, it, remember, it reminded me of, of James 1, 22 through 25. So I'm going to read it to you. It's through the Amplified Version. It says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God. And what he does in his life of obedience. And that's what impacted me the most, was how God blessed their yes, and that he'll bless our yes in what we do for him when we give it to him and answer his call to obey.
2: Uh, th- thank you, Aubrey. Um, I'm, uh, I'm probably going to cry a lot while I'm... Given this while we're doing this today. Um, So I want to tell you that Aubrey Norris is a woman who has said yes to the Lord many, many times. Um, I've watched hundreds of... I have taken hundreds and hundreds of people down on these trips over the years. And every one of their stories is different. But some of them who have gone multiple times, uh, like Aubrey, is someone who has constantly said yes to the Lord and is going now on trips like this, not just as a worker, not just as a participant, but as a mentor, as a leader, as someone who is impacting the people around her on our trip and the families and everybody else. And so, again, that's just part of what comes out of coming on a trip like this, is a woman like Aubrey saying yes over and over and over again, and the Lord using her, for his for his glory and for his kingdom. So, um, our next sharer is Eile.
4: Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Eile, and this is actually my fourth time going on a Homes of Hope trip, um, but the last time was in 2019. So, um, it's been about four years. And honestly, going into this trip, I wasn't really sure what. Like if there was going to be any new experiences, um, any new experiences to be had, because I kind of felt like okay, I've I've done this, I've even been to this campus, um, but God had a lot of surprises uh, in store for me throughout the trip. Um, just, I guess, new new team members, new relationships, new friendships. Um, it was just a lot of newness, and it was really cool. And um, one of the new experiences that we had was visiting a youth program um, and it was on our off day uh, so the day that we weren't building and so this is a little youth program run by some of the ywam staff who partnered with a local church and these students mostly boys they were um, about elementary school aged and um, just something that really struck me uh, first on when we went to visit them but then just a pattern throughout The whole week was the joy that these people had like these boys um, had so much joy they were so much fun they were joking around and this is in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Tijuana and um, just how much joy and security they felt in this place that the YOM staff and the church provided uh, it really struck me and I I just kind of started reflecting on other aspects of the trip Um, just observing how the team members got along, how they were laughing, Um, the YWAM staff, how welcoming and how joyful they were. And um, it was just really neat to see the joy of the Lord present in these people, because honestly, it's something that I forget often. I I just kind of go through life just like, okay, I just got to obey God. I just got to do this stuff. And I forget that there's so much joy in doing that. And Um, One of the just most impactful reminders of this was listening to the YWAM staff. Um, And so they shared their testimonies, and like Aubrey said, they came from very, very harsh backgrounds. They had gnarly stories. They had a lot to grieve and a lot to lament of their past. But if you were just around them, if you saw them laughing and interacting with the kids and the family and with us, You would just immediately see how joyful they were, and I think that is just such a strong testimony to what the Lord is doing—not just in um, our teams, but in the staff, in the families, and in the kids. There is just so much joy, and just how God used the relationships, um, the friendships of so many people, and so that was just what impacted me the most, and something that I did not expect, but. It was not a surprise to God. And um, he just really spoke to me through watching people and just how full how full the, their lives were. Um, and so that was just my story. I know uh, everybody has had different experiences who have been on this trip. So uh, for some people, it was their first time. For some people, um, they stepped into just new roles. Shout out to Dio. Um, and it was just really cool to see. And so I just really encourage um, Everybody, to talk to somebody who's been on the trip, because God speaks to everybody in really unique ways and in really cool ways. Uh, and so, yeah, just um, just a reminder for everybody, if, if you need it, that there is so much joy in His presence. And um, if you're thinking about this trip, um, definitely just know that it's way more than a house-building trip. God will speak to you in so many different ways and in so many unique ways, and it's really, really cool. Thank you.
2: Th- thank you, Eileen. So, Eileen, before you go back to the bridge, um, I-, I just want to say something about this young lady. Um, she-, she grew up a pastor's kid here in this church, and um, we meet every night as a team because there's two things kind of going on when we're in Mexico. It's what we're doing with the family and what is happening among our team. And so our team time every night is very important, and there's different formats to what we do, but there's a lot of time for just people sharing about kind of what is going on in their lives through the course of the week. And I won't go into what she said, but Eileen shared a very personal kind of piece of information and and just kind of insight and kind of um, threshold in her life while she was down there that I was blown away by. I was, it was so personal, it was so real, it was so mature um, that I saw in Eile a, a young woman who is, if I can just kind of put it this way, coming into her own, you know, she is becoming the woman that God wants her to be, and it was so beautiful to just see that going on during the course of the week, and I, I told her I admired it, and I really, I just think... God worked in your heart in a lot of different ways during the course of the week, so thank you. All right, our last one, Isaac. Good morning, everybody. Um,
5: This trip was uh, very, very special. Um, It was nothing short of humbling for me. This was my first time out of the country, right, Mom? Mom? That was the first... Yeah. <laughs> that I can remember. Um, and it, it was just very impact, impactful seeing how they live. And I prepared something very similar to what Eileen was talking about with the joy. And I, I, God kind of redirected me to something else, probably because he knew that she was talking about that. But um, I, I really want to touch on the, the impact of what we're doing and how much we are actually changing the lives of these people by being there. Um, just it's it's mind-boggling to me that I can take a week out of my life to build two houses for these two families and change generations, and it just it, it is very touching and very humbling. And that goes into another thing of, like, material items that we have here. And I could do the whole sermon. I have a (laughs) but... Yeah. Um, And let's see. And And I just want to say this. Dio was a huge, huge part of this. And... I remember one thing he said in this private conversation that everybody heard, that we are there to work and not rest. And that pushed me through the week that that really provided that sputna. What is, what is it called? Hutzpah. That's the word. Hutzpah. Sputna. <laughs> um, but Gonzalo also said something at the end of, I believe it was the second, um, the second build. And it was the comparison of the house, the free gift of the house to the free salvation of the Lord. And I just, I can't fathom that I'm a part of that answer to prayer to give them the the realization of Jesus and what he has done for us. And, I just want to read Psalm eighteen one through 3. I didn't prepare the bridge for this, so don't worry about it. Um, it says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place and safety. I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. And I just, I pray for these families that every time they lay their head on their bed or every time they step into their new beautiful houses, that they are reminded of the gift of God. And it, yeah, I'm just, I just pray that they are able to rest in in his hand and they, they see the light of us. They're the light of God through us being there, building their house. And yeah, if you have any questions about signing up for Ensenada, talk to anybody with the maroon, the maroon shirt on <laughs> or anything, because it, it's I remember Mark, Aubrey, and Eileen sharing their testimony about the previous Ensenada trip or the other Tijuana trip, and it's something else to actually go there and do it versus hearing it. And I highly encourage anybody to sign up. Yeah. That's, that's
2: it. So I want to tell you something else that uh, happened in this young man's life. Um, so I, I've been getting to know Isaac over the last uh, year or so, and again, he, here is a young man who uh, kind of made a big yes decision about a year ago, that he said, you know... I need to figure out what I'm doing and where I'm going, and I want to take my faith seriously. And he just dug in. He is like 60 miles an hour in the right direction. And there are things happening in this young man's life that he just doesn't see coming, you know. And I know this trip was one of those things, you know, that it's just like he signed up, he knew he wanted to go, the Lord wanted him to go, but he had no idea what the Lord was going to do in his heart and his life while he was down there. So um, there was a young man, Alexis, Uh, he was one of our builders, and Alexis was such a a cool young guy, uh, recently married, about to have a baby, and Alexis is a guitar player. And he would come into our evening meetings and he would jam with the guys and he played with the guys and he really even kind of pushed Isaac, who's a, you can see, just leading worship today. That's a brand new step for him in trusting the Lord to do things like that. And Alexis was just, you know, playing, playing, playing and they were having so much fun through the course of the week. Well, during the course of the week, Isaac. Um, <laughs> Isaac found out that uh, Alexis had had a guitar and he'd been playing for a long time and his guitar had been stolen um, a few years back. And um, so uh, on the last night that we were there, I put the picture up, Um, Isaac gave his guitar and it was a really nice guitar that Isaac had. And he surprised everybody and surprised Alexis and he just told Alexis, you know, this is yours, buddy. This is yours, brother. You need this way more than I do. And again, that's just so indicative of the work that the Lord did in hearts of people who went on this trip. So thank you, brother. Okay. Now it's, now it's my turn. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so you've seen pictures, you've heard testimonies about what uh, this trip was like. And frankly, this is no different than the dozens of trips that I've taken people down on. But what I want you to hear today is the voices. I want you to hear the voices of those pictures. I want you to hear the voices of the families. I want you to hear the voices of the staff I want you to hear like you just have the voices of people who went on this trip, because the Holy Spirit has something to say to you. Um, You didn't go on the trip, but every single one of you, the the, the Lord has something to say to you today. Um, There was really three groups of people on this trip. There were the two families, the uh, Vasquez Garcia family and the Coutinho Reyes family that we built for. There was the YWAM staff that we partnered with, and then obviously there was our team. So I want to just, we're going to take a brief look at how the families can talk to us about trust, about trusting the Lord in the midst of horrific circumstances in life. We're going to look at how the YWAM staffers' lives can speak to us about God's transforming work, just the radical work of transforming a human heart. And we're going to look at our team relative to how God wants to lay hold of your life and your heart. Um, so let's start with the families. Um, Psalm 37 says in verses 5 and 8, "Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Do not fret; it only leads to harm or evil." Um, the first family that we built with, uh, built for, was Noe. Noe was 38. His wife Trinidad, 37. Vasquez Garcia was their last name. They had three kids. Um, how do you say Roger in Spanish, Bill? Ro... Ro Julio Rogel. okay, so Ro was fifteen, Heidi was six, and Hanan was four. Uh, Noe sells clothes on the street. used clothes as a street vendor. He makes about one hundred and forty dollars a week. Trinidad is a housekeeper. she makes about one hundred and forty dollars a week. They have a combined income of about eleven hundred dollars a month, and they live in an area where the day-to-day costs of goods, of gasoline, of food, of anything, is about the same as what we pay here in Ohio, And they have a combined budget of $1,100 a month to support a family of five. Um, they uh, have, for several years, before they built their home, they lived in a one-room dirt floor shack Uh, This was where they were living before we built their house. And they had lived there for a long time. And I just leave that up while we're still talking about this family. I barely had enough room inside there for the two beds just to accommodate all five members of their uh, family. The cooking you can see right there was done outside. And just to the uh, next to that building, there's a, a, a kind of a dirt outdoor outhouse. That's their bathroom. They heard about Homes of Hope from someone at their church who knew how desperate their circumstances were. They were encouraged by this family at their church to apply for the program, and they did. And they prayed, and they prayed a lot, and they prayed a long time, uh, asking the Lord for a home. And God acted on behalf of this family. Um, <laughs> You know, a family like this, and you've heard uh, some of the others share, they have nothing. They have nothing, literally, in this life. Their lives are about survival on a day to day basis. Um, They have, both parents have very little education. It's very common for uh, folks like this to drop out of school in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. That's the extent of the education they'll ever have. They have virtually no hope in their lives because of the circumstances. And this is a mom and dad who feel (laughs) the daily heartache of wanting a better life for their kids, of wanting things to be different. And they live with that heartache year after year after year. But even in the midst of this overwhelming and desperate life circumstances, they had joy. And I'm so glad, Eileen, thank you, and I'm so glad... uh, uh, Isaac, that that was what the Lord put on your heart, that you shared what you shared. Um, because these are men and women and children who have joy in the midst of desperation. And that is the gift and grace and work of God. They worked hard on building their home with us. They had smiles on their faces. The, these two little girls were literally infectious. I mean, you could not smile or laugh. With, uh, if you were around these two little girls that were just filled with joy, unfazed by the circumstances of their lives. And this family prayed. They cried out to God. They didn't worry, but they put their trust in God, and he acted. When they received the keys to their home, and eile has got a picture of that, um, they just understood, like Isaac was talking about, what an enormous expression of love this is from the God of the universe. Yes, we were the hands, yes, we were the feet, we were the ones who went down like Dios, said, and we did the work, but this is God's work in their lives, and they knew that, and they were so thankful for it. The second family that we built for, uh, Miguel was 35, Rubicelda was 36, Coutinho Reyes is their last name, they had two kids, Ruby, 15, and Michael, 13. Miguel's a security guard, makes about $110 a week. Uh, Rubiceldo works in a factory, makes about $140. Same circumstances as the Vasquez Garcia family, $1,000 a month. Prices just like you and I pay every single day. And they lived in a very substandard shack for years. Outdoor cooking, this is their home uh, before we were able to bless them with a new one. Up until they applied for the Homes of Hope program over a year ago, they had never in their lives received any kind of support from a nonprofit, from the government, or anything. They had just figured out how to kind of survive from day to day. Ruby was kind of the spokesperson for their family, and she talked about how difficult it was for them to believe that they would ever have a home She modeled, though, and taught her her kids in particular and her family to trust God. She was emphatic. I know, I know that someday God is going to bless us with a home. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I know it's going to happen. We have to trust God. She shared a, uh, a, a particular story. Uh, one day she was taking my, walking Michael to school. Mom walking her kid to school, and it was pouring rain outside. And they're walking to school, and Michael falls down, and he gets just mud everywhere. He's just covered with mud. And uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking at my daughter, and she's crying. So I can't. <laughs> You're gonna set me off, Megan. Sorry. <laughs> but um, so Michael, you know, she says, Michael, I'm sorry, you can't go to school. Oh. Covered with mud, so they went home, and she was telling Michael on the way on the way home that Michael, I mean, this is, they're just she is so distraught. But Michael, we have got to trust God. I know that God is going to hear our prayers, and when they finally got the the call from YWAM she said, we could hardly believe it. Why Why would they pick us? Is this even for real? Is this fake? Is this not really going to happen? When it became clear that it was real, that it was really going to happen, she was overwhelmed. And when she got the, when they got the keys, to what we have a process where we all get in the circle and we say something in the family and we give them the keys and they go in the house and then they are in the house for about five minutes and then one of us goes up and knocks on the door this is their home we have to be invited in you know and so we knock on the door and they open the door and they say welcome come into our new home and this kind of stuff so we all pile in and uh there's a picture eileen's <laughs> going to put up and so she's Rubiselda is just talking to us about what this means to her and the family and she points over in the corner at the table and chairs. So we buy furniture and we have, there's just a table. It's just a rectangular table and four chairs. And she said, in all of my 38 years of life, I never thought I would have a table and chairs. I never thought or dreamed I would have a table and chairs for my family to sit around and have dinner or have a meal and she was just overwhelmed by having a table and four chairs, let alone the house that they were just moving into. It was an unbelievable blessing. And then we found out that she was so excited about having the second bunk bed. We buy as much equipment as we can for the families because they as a family had just, were in the process of just finalizing adopting uh, Miguel's 11-year-old niece who had just been abandoned by her family. And so now they're leveraging this new home to take in this other young girl and change her life forever as well. So here are two families who've spent their entire lives living in circumstances that are too hard, honestly, for any of us to comprehend. I, I'm sorry, that's just the reality. And we've, many of us have been through a lot of stuff, but none of us can understand the daily life of these folks until the day that they got that home. Um, they lived in poverty and desperation and heartache and hopelessness, but they put their trust in God, and God acted on their behalf in response to their prayers. I want to look at the YWAM staff. You've heard about just the testimonies that uh, these men and women gave us every night. They were powerful. They were so powerful. Uh, like Aubrey said, there were you know different stories but similar themes, broken homes, abandonment. Alcohol, drug abuse, lack of education, violence, crime, suicide. They were all looking, as we all do, looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, you know And it just led them into darkness. But there were three common themes with every single testimony that we heard. One is that God relentlessly pursued every single one of those young people. Second is that when they found Jesus, there was radical transformation in their lives. And three was that when that transformation took place, they turned it into fruit. They became servants of the living God, and it made a difference in the lives of people around them. Luke fifteen eight to 10 says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, Jesus says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that was what we saw going on in the lives of these YWAM team members. They all had a a powerful story, but it all included God's hand and heart just pursuing them. It may have been a friend of theirs, a family member, or just randomly, literally meeting somebody from YWAM and kind of finding out about the ministry. Every single one of them was pressed by the Holy Spirit to be dissatisfied with where they were at in life. They were just caught in darkness, and they didn't want to be there. And the Spirit knew that and was just giving them, prompting, and drawing them out of that darkness God actively pursued them. He orchestrated circumstances in their life to bring them to find Jesus. For some of them, it was a slow journey. For some, it was almost instantaneously and miraculous. For some, it was easy. And for some, it was very difficult and a very up and down road. We heard every kind of story you could think of. But every one of them was ultimately saved, and they put their faith and trust in Jesus. They were based on their salvation, had radically transformed lives. Jesus says in John eight, "If you hold to my teaching and you are really, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Um, while their paths were not always straight, they weren't always steady. Uh, steady, all of them experienced being set free from whatever it was in their life that was separating them from God. Was it loneliness? that was keeping them from coming to God, was it self-hatred, addictions, violence, hatred, bad influences, the people around them, their dysfunctional families, whatever was separating them from God, God helped them find a way through it. And they all began new lives in relationship with their, love, with their Savior, Jesus Christ. They began to, to learn and know and love God's word that transformed their thinking in their hearts. They became part of a community of other believers who were running after Jesus just as well. And they were embraced by the love and grace of God and their brothers and sisters. Uh, in John 15, Jesus tells us, I am the vine, You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And that is what we were seeing going on before us in the lives of these young people. The third theme that was consistent in all of their lives is that they became fruit bearers. They had found a new family that helped them walk in the spirit to follow and hear God's voice. They gave them new purpose, new meaning, new value in serving other people, in helping other young men and other young women get out of the darkness just like the Lord had brought them out. Jesus tells us in John 4 that everyone who drinks of this water, he was talking to the Samaritan woman, talking about literal water out of a well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I, Jesus, the Son of God, gives them, they will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. These young men and women experience that truth, that power in the name and life and of Jesus. They had been drinking the water of the world. It left their souls dying of thirst. And when they found Jesus, they began to drink the water that only Jesus can. And it became a, water, a spring of living water in them that impacted the people around them. Last but not least, let's look at our team. Um, 23 people from four different churches in California and Virginia. I've been taking teams, like I said, down for 25 years, hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, God made it clear to me many, many years ago why I needed to do this, why I was compelled to do this. And I tell the teams why, this is the first thing I tell them when we get there. Two reasons why I do this. One is because of the families, like uh, Isaac talked about, the impact on their lives, both materially, physically, mentally emotionally psychologically and certainly spiritually as a gift from God is revolutionary in these families and because of the impact on the people who go on these trips i don't i don't know, i know what happens with the families because you can see that as isaac described just the uh, clear message the clear declaration of god's love for this family it is unmistakable it is loud and clear and these families know that and it, we have an opportunity to help them on their journey, to help them know and love and trust God even more than what got them to the place that they were. And for those who go, honestly, I have no idea what the Lord's got in, plan, in, in mind. I don't know what the Lord's going to do in their hearts, but what I do know is the Lord does have a plan. The Lord does have something that he wants to talk to you about. The Lord does have something he wants to say to you. I know that for a fact because I've seen it happen in everybody's hearts, in everybody's life. Then Paul says in Philippians 3:12 he says I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me I lay that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me when Christ lays hold of you in your life he's got a reason he's got a purpose and our goal our calling is to find out what is that reason What is that purpose? And to do what the Lord has called out for us. Paul was talking about the fact that his life was no longer his own. When he met Jesus, he realized pretty quickly that was it. He uses the word slave. He identifies himself repeatedly. I am a slave to Christ. Uh, He means that in every sense of that word. He has no rights. He has no possessions. He has no His own purposes and ideas and thoughts mean nothing anymore. What means everything to him is God, is God's purposes, God's will, God's plans. That is what Paul lived his life for. And he calls that being laid hold of. His heart was laid hold of by God. Oswald Chambers says, never choose to be a worker for God. But once God has placed his call on you, woe be to you. If you turn aside to the right or you turn aside to the left, that's from Deuteronomy. We are not here to work for God because we have chosen to do so, but because God has laid hold of us. There are lots of uh, good examples just within our body here at the well of people that God has laid hold of and are living their lives as slaves to Jesus Christ. Our pastor, Richie, that is a man who has been laid hold of by God. And if you ever hear and know his whole story, that is a man who has been laid hold of by God. And he is living his life to do, his life's not his own anymore. He lives his life to do what God has is, leads him to do. Kim Larson, she's all too often not here. Why? Because God has laid hold of that woman's heart. And she loves your kids and our kids and all kids. And the Lord has told her and led her and given her the gifting and the heart to serve and love our children. God has laid hold of that woman's heart, and she is hearing, and she's answering, yes, I will. And frankly, it probably wasn't even all that willing sometimes, Tyler. I mean, maybe early on, you know, like, are you serious? Like, you really, what? You know, but she said yes, and she's back there doing it. Betty, here's a woman who... Just has been laid hold of in her heart to greet people. Something so simple as hugging and greeting people. But every single one of you, everybody in this room, I'm sure, has been hugged and greeted by Betty because the Lord has laid hold of her heart, and she simply said, "Yes, I'll go do that. I can do that. That's my contribution to the kingdom of God." Dale, here's a man. I'm no. No, you don't have to stand up, Dale. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to make too much fun of you. Uh, no, but here's a, here's a guy who just, Dale retired, the, the, the Lord laid a hold of him, and the Lord gave him things to do here at this church. And Dale said yes. And he does it with joy. He does it with purpose. He does it with commitment in his heart because the Lord laid hold of that's man, that man's heart. God has laid hold of me personally many times through my life, just in the journey, in my journey of following him. And one time had to do with mission trips. I had no interest in missions at all, zero. Um, in fact, I might have even had a negative kind of con- connotation of them before the Lord on a mission trip myself laid hold of my life as it relates to doing like trips like this in, mis- in, in uh, going down to Mexico. And, and I say this in a very positive way. He, he laid hold of me in a big way. And it's like, I don't have a choice. I am compelled by the Lord Jesus to do what I do. And I, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. There's a lot, a lot of ups and downs. But there is just no question that this is his work in and through me. Um, and I have said, yes, you know, yes, Lord, this is what you want me to do. So let me just bring us in for landing. Let's, let me just talk briefly about what this means for you. All of you who are sitting watching those pictures, listening to the testimonies, listening to me. um, Like the families, let's look at those three categories of people. Like the families, every single one of us has an opportunity to put our deepest trust in God. Our circumstances, like we, I'm I'm sure you would agree, are nothing like the families who were in Mexico. But there is ample opportunity in the life and heart and mind of every person sitting here today to put your trust in God in some way that he's asking you to that is maybe a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a push, a little uncomfortable. That is something that he has for every single one of us. And if we will do that, he promises he will act. If we put our trust in him relative to whatever he's putting on your heart, he promises that he will act in relationship to what that is. It's his will. It's his timing. So where is God prompting you? What's God saying to you about trusting in him praying to him, waiting for him today. Like the YWAM staff, whose lives were radically transformed. Most of us here today are believers. We've been walking with Jesus for either a, a short period of time or an eternity, eternity like Ernie. Um, you know, it's been how long? It t- 5,000 years, Ernie? <laughs> Whatever. Some big number. Some big number that Ernie's been following Jesus but every one of us, you know, we've, we've experienced the transformation in our lives of Jesus, but he's not done, and that's the point. He has ways in your heart, in your life, that he wants to still transform you. And I don't know what that is. That's between you and God. But what is it that God is speaking to you about relative to transformation in your own heart, in your own life? And lastly, like our team, God wants to lay hold of your life. I know that. Scripture says it. Paul testifies to it. He wants to lay hold of your life, of your heart. He wants all of your heart, every single part of it. He wants your life, everything in your life. He wants it to belong to him. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. What is it? How are you aware of whatever that is for him? Uh, Are you embracing? Are you devoting yourself to what the Lord has laid hold of your life for? So we're going to end here in just a minute. Um, we're going to put up in just a minute um, three statements that kind of relate to those three categories. Trusting the Lord, personal radical transformation, and uh, serving. Kind of just being what is the Lord, how does he want to lay hold of your life. So we're going to put those statements up on the screen. And we're going to take a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm just going to sit down. And this is time in silence for you to talk to the Lord. Listen to him. Listen to him right now. What is he saying to you? Talk back to him if you want to. But we're going to take a couple of minutes. Just look at these three statements. Meditate on them. Consider them. Ask the Lord what's he want to say to you about each of the three of those. And then I'll pray and we'll be done. So, uh, Eileen, if you'll put up those statements, a couple of minutes between you and the Lord. know that uh, silence can be uncomfortable sometimes but um, sometimes we need quiet to hear the voice of God and it does take time to hear the voice of God but um, let me just pray Lord thank you thank you, thank you so much for the gift of your salvation Lord for the gift of giving us the opportunity to put our trust in you because you have promised that when we do that, Lord, when we put our trust in you, when we lean into you, when we are past our ability to handle, to cope, to understand, and we fall into your arms and we put our trust in you, you promise to act on our behalf. You promise to meet our needs. You promise to lead us and and care for us. Um, Thank you for the transformation work, transforming work of your spirit. And Lord, we do invite you to just come and show us ways and show us places in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, Lord, that you want to continue that transforming work. We invite you in Holy Spirit to shed your light into the darker places in our hearts. Um, And thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to be laid hold of. Thank you that your plan is to lay hold of each of our lives and each of our hearts, and we give you permission, we invite you, we ask you to do just that. Make it really clear, Lord, to us uh, in a way that we simply can't deny, we can't run away from, and that we even just are drawn with love and and joy to embrace. So thank you for laying hold of our lives in the ways that you want. So we just thank you for this time together, Lord, uh, in worship and fellowship, in teaching. Uh, we love you, Lord, with all of our hearts, Jesus. Amen.
0: Well, we've got a few announcements, uh, mostly reminders this morning, but I'm going to start with kind of a praise report from uh, for youth. Uh, so just this weekend, we had a kind of separate boys' night and a separate girls' night. Uh, the boys, there we are, uh, we had a sleepover uh, at Isaac's house, actually, and so there was plenty of pizza and video games and just shenanigans and fun. Uh, the girls, on the other hand, look at them, so innocent, eating ice cream. Uh, and then I think they went to Nordoff. You know, they played tag. And then it it turned, uh, it turned in a different way. They actually plotted against us boys. There they are. So I don't know if you can see it. There is a map in the middle of that table of the boys' house. And uh, what they did is they went on a, I think the email to the parents was secret mission uh, and so they came over, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, they decorated our lawn with forks. Um, and if you want to know what that means, ask Shiloh, because she was the ringleader. Uh, but they decorated our lawn with forks, and we actually um, saw them doing it. The boys kind of looked out the window and were like, there are kids outside. So we caught them. Uh, and then they came back later in the night and TP'd the house. So it was a lot of fun. It was some really good memories we had with the students. Uh, and then next up, uh, next, let's see, I guess you, I think I have it right here. Yes, the 29th. Not, we're, we're not going to have any events this coming week, but the 29th, we are going to the beach from 8 to 4. Uh, we're going to Carpinteria State Beach. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we played uh, Ultimate on the Beach, uh, which is Really cool, had a lot of fun, so we're going to be doing that. Sign-ups are by Wednesday, July 26th, so you can let me know. Uh, You can email me, call me. There's also sheets on the back table uh, as you go out. And uh, I believe we have have a slide for the calendars. Yes. So we also have uh, summer calendars uh, for up until the end of August. Those are also on the table out there. You can pick those up to see what we have going on for youth stuff. Uh, Second, we have just a couple reminders. So this Saturday, the 22nd, the women are having a cooking workshop. Uh, It's at 10 a.m. It's going to be here at the well, and today is the last day to sign up. So if you have questions, see Kathy. She can help you out with that. Um, Lastly, a reminder, there is a memorial for Sharon one, uh, and it's going to be on August 5th, 2 p.m. here at the well If you have any questions, ask Pastor Tyler. He can help you with all the information with that.